application of the right information. Sometimes you can have the right information and you apply it in the wrong way. Sometimes you have the wrong information and you apply it in the right way, which gets you a bigger problem. But if you have the right information with the proper application, that's walking in wisdom. And the right information is that there is a God and all of us are held accountable by that God. Too many people are under the assumption that if they try to be good enough, they'll reach heaven. This information is incorrect. It's creating problems around the world. We have the right information available to us. It's found in the pages of the Bible. Pastor Daniel shares this information with us today, reminding us that we're not good enough unless Jesus takes away our sins. If we apply that truth to our lives, it'll change us forever. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message. Honestly, the journey is messy. Nobody wants your doctor to do surgery in the dark. And the great physician, the true and living God, because he is life, he does his work with everything clear. He sees it clear as day so that he can get his business done. And one of the ways God purifies our lives, your life and my life, is by us walking in the light, by bringing the stuff out into the open, all the garbage, the temper, the attitude, the shady things that you do. When you bring that stuff out into the light, it's not like the Lord is like, oh, I didn't know that about you. I can't believe that about you. I'm out of here. The Lord's like, no, no, you're owning what I already know that you are. And now that you're owning it, I can do business with it. I can work with this. It's hard to walk in light in a messy world. Because listen, we care about our reputations. We care that what people think about us. So we realize some of the stuff we do might be straight criminal and we end up in jail. And so there seems to be this survival mechanism that keeps it away. We don't want anyone to know that that's who I am. And this is how I work and, you know. But in the end of the day, that's a terrible way to live. It's a terrible way to live. Think about it. When I was camping with my buddies, right? When it would be night, we wanted to get to the next spot. Once I, I ended up buying new boots, by the way. Because we, we weren't done yet. And so I bought some new boots. And so when you're camping at night, anybody else, if the moon is really bright in the night, then you can camp, then you can hike without it. But when you go out hiking at night, what do you bring with you? A flashlight. Or if you're hardcore, then you bring like a torch or something. Why? Because the light lights the way. Brothers and sisters, walk in light. I love this. He gives examples of how walking in light actually looks in these verses. Because verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Wow. Don't you love that? Goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness is the achievement of moral excellence. Combined with a generosity of spirit. That's one great definition of goodness, right? Where it's all the things that pertain to what is good. With, I mean, think of somebody who's like, man, that person is so good. There's a generosity to who they are, right? 
Not only like a material generosity, but a personal generosity. They're generous with giving love. They're generous with giving affirmation and joy. They're also generous in loving you enough to talk to you about what's going on because they care about you. That's a good friend. That's a good person. Something like righteousness. Now, righteousness is one of the best ways to understand is to giving all things their due. That everything gets done the proper way. Now, you and I know from the Bible that there is none righteous, no, not one. So what it means is that there's not one human being except for Jesus who gives all things their proper due. We all fail at giving things our proper due. That's what the Bible calls sin. Sin is us failing to accomplish everything in its proper place. And all of us do that except for Jesus. And that's why Jesus died. And that's why he rose again. Because he's the one person who never made those mistakes. So he was the perfect sacrifice for all of us who did. But the fruit of the Spirit is a transformation of life. That we begin to embody the righteousness of Jesus that he shared with us. And not only that. We also have in truth. Oh. That's a big one, isn't it? Because when you say things like walk in love, and then you say walk in light, everyone says, oh, well, so you love, I just love everybody. I just love everybody. Right? And you have to realize that love and truth are married in the Bible. That love without truth is hypocrisy. Right? What you're saying is that I love somebody, but if I love them and I won't call the truth the truth, the Bible would say that's hypocrisy. It's not real love. It's an emotion or a feeling or a decision you make, but it's not based in reality because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, real love is filtered through the truth, and that's why God's word is also used as an amazing example of light. All through the Psalms, it talks about how God's word is a lamp, and it's a light unto my path because God's word shows us this is what is right and wrong. So we got to walk in light. And I love this because it says finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Because God is light, us finding out what is acceptable to the Lord has us walking in light. Now, this is one of the things I want to tell you. Because everybody here is on a different step of their life journey. A different step of their faith journey. It's not wrong to find out that something that you've always done you shouldn't be doing. Actually, that's actually proof that you're God's child. You don't automatically get convicted for everything right as it happens. Certain things, God works on some other areas of your life, and now it's time for this one thing to be, oh, you can't do that anymore. And the beauty of that is no matter how long you've been walking with Jesus, growth should be happening because until you are perfected in fulfillment exactly like Jesus, you're going to have areas to work on. And I love that about life. The beauty of a journey is every step you take not necessarily getting to your final destination. I talk about that in the book, that people love the outcome, but God loves the process. God loves every step of the journey. If you take a beautiful hike, every single step of that hike is infused with beautiful things. You get to have different experiences, different smells, different areas. Sometimes it's barren. Sometimes it's fruitful. Sometimes it's beautiful. But God loves every step that we take. It's like marriage. The problem with the way we do marriage in our culture is everything is focused on the wedding day. Right? You put all this energy in, but you never actually prepare for every single day of the journey of marriage. Isn't that where the fun happens? I mean, the party was great up top. 
But talk about, you know, starting out batting a thousand and then falling off the shelf after that. Because a beautiful marriage is built every single day. Right? Any relationship is built every single day. No one's like, man, the relationship's great. It's over now. No. See, life is the same way. We have a tendency to want to put off life for a later date. I'll do this later once. No, no, no. Life's happening right now. And God wants each one of us to be on the step that we're on. And part of walking in the light is beginning to reveal. God reveals things to you at the right time. Sure, certain things in your word, you know that it's wrong. But oftentimes the light bulb doesn't go on in your heart for a little while. Like how many people? Jesus came to die and forgive people who sin. And how many of us are frustrated at sinners right now? All of us, right? All of us in some way are like, man, it's really bugging me. I can't believe they would do that. Right? You get all worked up. But this is what Jesus came to die. So what are we doing? At some point, God convicts you and just like, that's why I came. Don't get mad at them. Being mad never makes someone repent. It just pushes them farther away from Jesus. Especially when they know you're a Christian. Getting mad doesn't change them. The goodness of the Lord changes them. How they can experience the goodness of the Lord if they don't know the Lord? Through us. So you start to say stuff. What am I doing? And maybe even walk with you. Some of you right now, the light bulbs are going on. Like, well, I'm totally doing that. On every step of the journey, that God teaches us new stuff. And that's what happens when you walk in the light. Now, from there, and there's lots that I want to say. Let me show you the next one. Look what it says in verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this is simple. You want a field note? Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Beautiful. See then that you walk circumspectly. That word circumspectly, it literally means to walk exceedingly carefully. I use the example for walking circumspectly. I always use the example, and this has never happened, and I praise God that it's never happened. For some of you maybe who maybe have experience in the military, maybe you experience this. If you were walking through a minefield, you would walk differently than if you're walking through your house, right? Because in your house, you kind of know where things are. There's an end table there, except if you got kids, you never know where the Legos are. <laughs> That's the beauty of being a parent. Man, the number of Lego bruises I have on my feet. I want, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Legos. Because obviously, I want my kids to be master builders, you know, like Emmett. Anyway. But when you have little kids, you don't know where the Legos are. That's why you always wear your slippers when you have little kids. Because if you step on a Lego with slippers, it doesn't hurt. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't buy Legos and stick them on your floor and step on them. You won't be happy. That's a field note. Just write that down. Don't step on Legos. Go ahead, write it down. It's good for you. But if you're walking through your house, even if the lights are out, you know kind of where everything is. But if you're walking through a minefield where one wrong step could be the end of your life, you walk very differently. And that's the example here. It says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. See that walk in wisdom? It's important. Don't be, the opposite of walking in wisdom is walking in foolishness. Now, you might say, well, how do we know if we're walking in foolishness? Well, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, and Psalm 111, verse 10, say the exact same thing. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
So you want to know if you're walking in foolishness. Are you living in such a way that you don't fear God? That's the key to it. Wisdom is the right application of the right information. That's a good one, right? Write that down. Wisdom is the right application of the right information. Sometimes you can have the right information and you apply it in the wrong way. Sometimes you have the wrong information and you apply it in the right way, which gets you a bigger problem. But if you have the right information with the proper application, that's walking in wisdom. And the right information is that there is a God and all of us are held accountable by that God. When was the last time you went to do something that you shouldn't do and you thought to yourself, you know, I shouldn't do this because I fear God. Fear God's authority because God is the judge of all the earth. And God has the rightful authority to pronounce judgment on our lives, whether for good or for evil. And also fearing breaking God's heart because of the relationship that we have with God. In some ways, people either want to fear God on one side or the other. I think it's both those sides. It's because of who God is, his authority, and it's also because of the relationship, that covenant relationship. I've shared this many times. In marriage, in your friendships, you just say, I should fear breaking that person's heart. I tell him Obadiah all the time. He's my little guy, you know? He's not a little, he's a moose now, a big guy. All right? I say, buddy, don't ever break your mama's heart. Don't ever make your mom cry. He's like, I know, Dad. I'm like, you sure you know? I mean, that's my wife. Don't break her heart. But I'm trying to get him to the point where he realizes that there's certain things that he could do that could break his mama's heart, that would make his mom cry. And not with motherly, joyful tears, but like heartbroken tears. See, that's an important field note, isn't it? When you realize walking in wisdom, it's at every step of the way saying, I fear God's authority and I fear breaking God's heart. I'm quite sure that right now, there's many people here who you're living in a way you don't fear God. Not only do you not fear that God has the authority to judge your life when he does, you couldn't care less about breaking his heart. You're like, it's my life. I'm going to do my way. That's not walking in wisdom. That's walking in foolishness. Because look at what it says. Don't miss verse 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know how you know when you're walking in wisdom? When you realize that you don't have eons and eons, that you, this moment is important. You redeem this moment. You say, this moment matters in my life. Because you never quite know when it's the end of it. I write about that in my book. I mean, my mother passed away when she was 49. I mean, that's nine years from now for me. You start asking yourself, if God were to give me the amount of years he gave my mom, I only got nine years left. What do I do with that? And you start living differently when you start thinking that way. I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend who had curable cancer. And his parents decided not to take him for treatment, and he passed away when he was 19. My good buddy. It's tragic. A football player from the New Orleans Saints who had retired. He was a captain, Pro Bowl selection. Huge heart for the community. Was killed in a road rage accident. Now I bring those things up because wisdom says you may not have tomorrow, so you need to live today all in for Jesus. I think there's some of you right now, you're saying, I'm going to get right with Jesus in a couple years once I bank my millions or I do this or I do that or I'm done 
partying down or whatever. My friends, that's foolishness. It's like what Jesus said in the parable of the guy who wanted to build bigger barns. That you fool, this night your soul is required of you. Why put off for tomorrow what God is asking of you today? That's foolishness because you're not fearing God. You're not saying my life matters. This moment matters. And I'll be honest with you. This is the biggest struggle I think we have in the West, especially in America. Because we're so used to living in comfort and luxury. And I'm not saying that we, I wish we didn't live in comfort and luxury. I'm grateful you guys are sitting on nice cushioned seats with a nice climate controlled in here. And that's not a bad thing. But the problem with it is that it can create a kind of a, everything's so easy for me, so every time something's hard for me, I don't really want to do it anymore kind of a faith. That doesn't happen to you guys though, right? Yeah, right? It's like we're so used to everything being easy that we kind of lose that little, kind of that get at itness. And I think in a culture like ours, there's a lot of us that right now, there's things that God has laid on our heart and we're not doing anything. We're just kind of coasting. And that would be foolishness. Because you're not redeeming the time. You're not taking the time back and saying, my life matters and this moment matters. And if not me, then who? And if not now, then when? And I think we need that kind of a field note, don't we? That your life is going to be way shorter than you want it to be. And you don't want to miss out on one thing that God is asking of you. And that's walking in wisdom. And that's fearing God. You're saying, God, I want to get at my life what you've called me to. I think for a lot of us, the reason we're not getting at that stuff is you're trying to please somebody who they're never going to be pleased with you anyway. You're mailing in the life God has for you to try and make someone happy who's never going to be happy no matter what you do because the issue isn't your life. The issue is their heart and they're imposing that stuff on you. There's a tremendous freedom when you walk in the wisdom of saying, I am God's child. God's word says, this is who I am. And listen, Nobody ever experienced something amazing without a ton of risk involved. Don't just risk for risk's sake. Risk for the glory of God's sake. The things that God wants to do. If we walk in wisdom, if we fear, if we make the most of every opportunity. I got one more way to walk. One more field note for this opening message on this field note series. Look at what it says in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Because life is messy, we should walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. See what it says. It says, do not be drunk with wine in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what's interesting about this phrase of be filled, in the Greek language, the imperative is in the present tense, which you could translate it as be being filled. So the idea is that being Filled with the Holy Spirit, although it could be a one-time experience, it's something that has to happen every single day. It's almost like every single day of your life, you're asking God to top you off once again with his Holy Spirit. 
I share in my book, honestly, a story about that. When I was in Nepal, I had a missionary, a friend of mine who was a missionary in Nepal for 10 years, and I'd been doing missionary work in India. And so I was in India, and India and Nepal are neighbors. So I'm like, man, we're in India. I'm going to go see my friend in, in Nepal. And so we had been on this trip. I'd been in India for about 10 days, and it was kind of a, if you've never ever been to India, it's kind of an intense place. And when we were there, unfortunately, we were working, we were doing pastor's conferences with um, the Free Methodist denomination in India. And the bishop of the Free Methodist, who was our host, his 21-year-old son died the second day we got there. It was just a horrific experience. But what happened is, is we traveled across the country to go to India, and when the son of the bishop dies, everything stops. And it was amazing how, for some pastors... Who are like, man, I didn't come to India to go to five days of funeral services. I'm like, you better get right with Jesus because God sent us here for these funeral services. Forget the pastor's conferences. It's like, dude, if, how would you want to be treated if your son died and you're here visiting? Come on. You know, and so it was a crazy trip. And like, it's hard for Westerners to be in a place like India. You can get sick on everything. And all of our kind of comforts were gone. I was eating curry and pulling fingernails out of it. It was rough. And I remember we, I'm just, it was like, it was rough, it was a rough season, right? And I remember we saw at McDonald's, you never seen five heavy Westerners running for the golden arches like we did. It was like, you know, it's just like, we just wanted a chicken sandwich, man. It was, but we were there. And then I'm going to Nepal, right? And so I get on this plane in Nepal, I show up in Nepal, and my friend Mike picks me up on a motorbike, right? And so I got like my luggage and me and Mike on a motorbike, in Kathmandu, and if you've ever been to Kathmandu, Kathmandu is an amazing place, but it's, you know, driving there, it's like Frogger, you know? It's just not, and so I'm on a motorbike with my luggage, which, and I, w- I travel light, I'm a dude, you know what I mean? But it was like, it was still kind of crazy. And we, and we end up going all the way up, we snake up into the mountains in, in the lower part of the Himalayas, and we go to visit his friend named Rapke, who is dying of tuberculosis. And I'm sitting on a solid concrete floor in about 30 degree weather, and Rapke's, obviously I can't speak the language, and Rapke is literally almost, he's dying, and we're drinking lukewarm Nepali butter tea out of a rusted little tea kettle. And every time I took a sip, every time I took a sip, Rapke's wife topped me off. Every single time. You know what butter tea is? Okay, it's got a little bit of powdered milk and yak butter with a little salt. You ever have yak butter before? There's a reason it didn't make it to the States. <laughs> it, was, it was nasty business. But literally, every time you took a sip, Rapke's wife <laughs> topped you off. <laughs> and literally, this went on for two hours. And every time I take a sip, I'm like, Lord... I don't want to die, you know, like, like, I'll just be honest, like, God's working on me, you know, but you know what's amazing what happened in the middle of this? All of a sudden, as I'm, every time I take a sip, she's topping me off, I start thinking about this verse. I start thinking about be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God never promised us an easy road. As we continue to walk along the path God has placed each of us on, we'll discover more and more 
how messy the journey really is. Pastor Daniel shared in today's message that we don't have to walk the road completely unprepared, though. God has provided excellent field notes for us to study from, learning how to navigate our relationship with Him and apply His truth to our lives. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here. I'm the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church. I love that God invites all of us to be a part of His family, and I wanted to invite you to be a part of my family of faith. In Vancouver, services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 1 p.m., or in Southwest Portland, our service on Sundays at 10 a.m., as well as midweek services Wednesday at 7 p.m. at both campuses. We would love to have you join us, and if you're at a distance, check us out on our internet campus, crossroadslive.tv. I look forward to seeing you soon. Join us again again here on Jesus is Real Radio when Pastor Daniel shares God's plan for how we should be looking at life. How we've been raised has definitely had an impact on how we view the world. Though it may not be bad, it's likely not how God wants us to view it. We aren't left searching for the answers ourselves, though. We've been given a great guide to follow in the person of Jesus and the text of God's own word. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through this series, Field Notes. That's next time on Jesus is Real Radio.